Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. It's great to be with you all again. Um, I'm really excited about this week's guest um, uh, because he's a friend of mine. Um, uh, his name is Adam Baker and um, he's a musician, he's um, a worship leader and he's done a lot of and he's done a lot of mission stuff as well. We're gonna and we're gonna hear his story today. So um, and it's a really powerful story. So welcome, Adam, to the podcast. Hi, James. Good to be with you. Yeah, this has been quite a while coming. We've been talking about doing this this for quite a while. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear this. So tell us a bit about 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 you, about kind of your background, and then we'll get into kind of your story. All right. Um, well, I, I'm from uh, Newton North, a small town near Belfast, in Northern Ireland, and um, that's where I grew up. Uh, it's where my family are from. And um, when I was about 18, moved over to Glasgow um, to study at Bible College, where I met Sarah, my wife. Um, so uh, I've and from there, we've kind of been uh, in a few places. I've lived in a, a number of different places. Um, so my accent uh, sometimes sounds more Northern Irish um, and sometimes a little bit Scottish and sometimes people don't really know where I'm from and then when I speak to my family I'm on the phone to my mum um, it's very obvious where I'm from so um, yeah <laughs> So what was, the ju- what was the kind of journey into songwriting and music for you? Songwriting um, I guess I picked up a guitar when uh, a friend um, was, I bumped into a friend, he was walking home from a guitar lesson and he showed me this guitar and it was a thing of beauty and I was like, wow, that, that is cool. And he played me some of, like some songs that were like um, on the charts at the time and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And he, he was like, they're really easy to play and um, so that put my heart on getting a, a guitar and of course it had to be an electric so I, and it had to be a, a sort of fender strap replica or as close to the real deal <laughs> and, and got this guitar and it was kind of from um, picking up a guitar um, that I, I started playing um, around with uh, songs that I knew and um, yeah learning songs were in the church songs that we were using in church and then I started to, to write to that as well um, and I think it was kind of an overflow of kind of, I was encouraged to do some journaling by our youth leaders whenever I became a Christian and they kind of said, you know, um, you know get into the habit of kind of writing down your thoughts and different things, it's good for just kind of your journey and processing things and a lot going on in those teenage years, you know, it's like a, it's a crazy world, so um, uh, I, I started trying to write some songs, some of them were rubbish and some of them were okay and I think I was about 16 when I, I endeavoured on a bit of a fundraising effort and recorded some songs, and to my surprise, and people liked them. Um, it was it served its purpose and raised about a thousand pounds or something for um, Elam Missions and for a particular project in Africa. And I guess from there, you know, I sold all these I sold these CDs and I played in different churches to kind of promote the, the whole project and um, people invited me back and I said oh but the project's finished and then that's when it kind of I realised that actually you know the songs were great but actually there was some of them there was something there and that was kind of the start of realising that yeah this is something I want to pour my energy into and um, 
yeah, I had more opportunities when I was in Glasgow when I was studying to go on and uh, record um, another two albums and so I kept that writing journey kind of started in those teenage mm. years and because of the influence of other people, the inspiration of other people, training, different things and, and people that I looked up to, I just kind of, I learned a lot about uh, songwriting, about music and um, yeah, a lot of good role models, so... Awesome. Sounds like you've been really, really prolific. Like um, in terms of songwriting, even before you, you you, know, you went to uh, to Africa with uh, with Sarah, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, uh, music's kind of almost been like your life, really, hasn't it? I mean, like from very very young. It has always been there, um, and but very much on my. I guess I guess it was about fourteen, fifteen when I I'd been on a missions trip that really transformed my life that really um i think the the best way of describing it's like it's the first time i realized like that i could actually have an impact on people's lives and, and i could see people's lives transformed and that, that god could use me and and so that was huge and and it was really from there that i started also having a greater desire to be involved more with worship in church and things. And so I started getting a lot more involved in in the church music team and things like that. And and so that really started that journey. And that was probably around the time that I wrote my very first kind of song that was was, you know, not not rubbish, not absolute, you know, <laughs> trash. But it was good, you know, it was a good time. It was a really um special time in my life. And um, because it, it kind of it gave me a real heart for mission and um, for serving God, living for Him, and and music's kind of always been part of that journey. And you know, there were times where the music and the the, the mission stuff sort of kind of came head to head, and it, it sort of looked like, how is this going to work? How is this going to fit? How do I? How am I? Mm. Mission and how am I the, the guy that wants to go and do mission? And um, yeah, so I, I kind of. You know, I stayed as true to myself as I possibly could be, and and journeyed through that, and um, that brought me to Senegal. And, you know, it's a short version of the story, but um, yeah, we ended up working in Senegal with street kids, um, for for just short of a couple of years. Um, yeah, that was kind yeah. of going to be my next question. Uh, it's kind of dovetailed nicely in, um, because Senegal was quite challenging, quite a challenging time for for you and and for Sarah as well. Um, yeah. in terms of your experiences there and, and you know, your faith journey. So um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so, so we, went, we, were, we were there um, for, for about 18 months. Um, we'd spent um, a year learning French, um, quite a long time kind of preparing, uh, joining the Mission Society and raising money, uh, speaking, sharing our, our vision, and, and just mentally preparing for for this like mad adventure that we were on with God, and um, you know, we, we we went out there uh, really sure that we would be there for for longer than what we ended up being there for. Um, but quite soon into our our time at the project where we were working, and um, it was obvious to us that it wouldn't be a long term place for us. There was um, a number of quite serious issues there and um, 
unhealthy leadership, and and so we uh, suffered at, at, at the hands of kind of, I guess, dysfunctional people, and um, it was quite painful, and it left us um, feeling quite confused and um, certainly quite hurt by the experience, and uh, unfortunately we didn't really get the support to transition into something else, and so we came back to the UK after some, it was something like, yeah, 18 months, um, and not really knowing what to do next, and um, certainly being blamed by some people for for why things didn't work out. But um, like we, we knew that there was that we, by this time we knew that there would be issues and in the particular project for for many many years, and that we were by no means the first um, people to to kind of experience that. And and yes, that was that was incredibly challenging um, and confusing for us because our hearts were so set on this um, mm. call and this ministry to, to children who were living on or working on the streets. And um, the time that we spent in Senegal was, uh, whilst there were those particular struggles with the project, there were some of the, the most beautiful moments in our lives um, when mm. we saw children smile who didn't smile before and, um, you know, people just start to light up because they they were loved. Um, or or one, I remember one kid who, um, the first time he had a bed, he was so excited. And um, I don't know if he was even quite sure, like, what, it, you know, what you're supposed to do. But when, we, when it was explained to him that he could sleep on it, he was just so, so happy and, 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 um, you know, it was really special to be there at times like that. Um, to you know, and there were difficult times too. There was a number of kids that would come off the streets, and um, you would just see that they were struggling to cope with um, not being on the streets and the freedom they had there, but also just the, the the trauma that they'd been through had so had so broken their their kind of their spirits that they, you know, they, they just couldn't, and um, they couldn't fit in. And, uh, you know, they, they, they were so prone to kind of old habits. Um, so that was, that was really difficult, but we, we got to, we got to see over that period of time, even though it was, you know, brief, that, um, that with, with consistency, with love, with, um, with structure, with boundaries, with, with just, um, being there um, in a non-judgmental way for these kids, they they would grow and they would um, they would start to mm. they would start to feel love, and perhaps for the first time, um, or it might even bring up memories of of love that they had experienced, um, you know, because there was a healing there that had to happen, and um, so that was that was incredibly. Um, enriching to be yeah. to be privileged enough to, to journey with you know a, a number of different kids that were were part of the project and um, so we were in this home that, that supported um, boys that had come off the streets but also we were working in a school um, a little bit as well doing some a therapeutic 
arts and crafts activities and, and some emotional literacy stuff. Oh, wow. Like, those girls were like, the first time that we tried to do anything with them, it was, it was so difficult because they'd just not done anything like that before. And um, they had quite challenging behavior. Um, but by the time we were kind of finishing, they were, they were like, they were so, 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 like, respectful of, of, of kind of sharing and stuff. And, and, and there was just not the same chaos that there was, you know, um, uh, 12 months 60 before or whatever. And, and they really, really enjoyed that. And I think one thing that I remember is uh, another volunteer who worked at the project um, being quite impressed by, like, how the, the kids were, were, like, so different um, when it was kind of this arts and crafts time. And um, so they, they kind of, inspired by some of our efforts, had continued that on. And um, we spent a bit of time with them just sharing some ideas. And, it, I mean, it, that, that's really cool. And that was a local person. That was a, a local Senegalese guy who was an absolute legend. You know, um, a completely sold out for Jesus, given himself 100% to the lives of the kids, you know, and he worked across the project, right across. Um, and, uh, you know, to work with people like that, there was a youth worker who, who stayed in the home too, who I just heard the other day, he sent me a message, he's asked me to come to his wedding in two or three weeks' time. Um, but he's, he, he was an absolute dude too. He, um, you know, and the relationships that he had with the kids, and we never really got very comfortable speaking Wolof. We were already, we were getting the grips with French, that was challenging enough. Um, but oh, these other guys who, you know, from, this, from similar cultural backgrounds who could speak the same language, you just saw the depth of relationship they had, and that's what was that's what provided those opportunities for healing. And I think I, you know, whether it's in Senegal or in the UK or wherever you are, and um, we're working with people who are hurting or who have been through some some difficult stuff, um, and there's wounds that that need healing. It's it's that time and that um, stability that a relationship where there's trust can, can provide. Um, but it is, it, it, it's uh, not an easy thing to journey with people who are hurting because um, mm. um, they might hurt us um, or we, we kind of, we, we take a lot of their, um, their pain upon ourselves when, we, when, we're, when you care for somebody like that. But it, I think that's, uh, in some ways I see like when Christ says, but taking up his cross, you know, I think that's kind of, that's a, that's one way of understanding it for me. You know, it's like actually that's 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 mm. a cross there. Um, you know, the, the weight of kind of other people's suffering, yeah. and and to feel it and enter into it. Uh, I think there's something quite powerful in that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, wow. So what? So obviously you, you talk about how towards the end things began to go wrong and, quite, and it was quite painful. Um, things became very difficult. How did all that kind of, and because of this had been, you know, and I, you know, I know Sarah, I know you, I knew that this had been a thing that you've been praying about and working towards for years, and then, and then, then kind of only two years into it, it kind of all goes wrong. I mean, how did that impact your 
your relationship with God, your your faith. What what did it do to that? And what challenges did you kind of face with your faith? Yeah, it's a big question. <laughs> I, th- I think I think it actually it probably went wrong like a lot earlier than that. It's just that we you know we were we we're trying to work through some of it. We were just hoping that things might might change that we you know that. Um, but by the time we realised that no, this was this is a, a long-standing problem and and quite you know a serious issue with the with the, the leadership of the project, then we we decided that we'd leave and and that was about a year in. And then we spent six months uh, looking into other options and also volunteering at another another project with some um, some people that we know are called friends. You know, uh, it was a, an American family and. And, you know, they had a, a drop-in centre, and um, so we spent, you know, the last uh, number of months uh, there as well. And I think the biggest thing that it did was, like, it, it made, made, made me question and made us question, like, well, what can we actually, what can we trust God for? Because we put a lot of, you know, um, I think sometimes there's this false um, or um, misguided idea that, um, you know, just putting your trust in God means that everything will work out, um, and that for you know, if you're if you're called, then everything should neatly kind of fit together, and um, it should be up, up, and, and and up again. You know, and and we knew that things would be hard, and and there would be challenges. It wasn't that we were naive to that, but um, I guess the challenges we were expecting were. Some of the stuff that was hard about living in a different culture, um, you know, living in a um, totally, different, you know, being away from from family and, and and those kind of things, and also just always feeling like a stranger, um, and those were those were real challenges to living in a different culture. But um, it was a uh, yeah, the, the the real struggles were were elsewhere, and I think. You know that real questioning of what what can we what can we trust God for? Because we, we put up, you know, it was that disappointment and frustration with God that things weren't weren't going as we had hoped they would, and that we had invested so much into this that um, you know mm. we were kind of like I remember one time just like being like God, you need to fix this because this is this is your fault. <laughs> yes. like, you know, I, I wasn't being cheeky or anything. It was just that that was kind of that was that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we we had these conversations um, a number of times, and we'd talk about this. And I think over time we we started to come to a position of actually what we can trust God for. It isn't that stuff just works out or that because um, something is even what his will is or what his plan is um, that, it, that, that that's, that's what will happen in life and and that there are things that, that happen that are not they're not caused by orchestrated by or even um, part of God's plan um, they, they, they happen and we, you know, we 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 respond to, we respond to that with God, and God responds to that, 
And the thing that we can trust God for is that he is always good and that he is always fighting for the restoration and for the redemption of, of things that are broken and messy. And, and, and I think that was, that was a real process that took, a, you know, it was months of kind of these kind of conversations and prayers and, um, that brought us to this point of actually starting to slight, like shift, gradually shift our thinking and understanding of what it means to be um, following God and his will and, and these kind of things and, and kind of moving away from like what I think Greg Boyd talks about, the kind of classical kind of view um, or the blueprint view of like everything's mapped out by God and um, you know and, and everything that happens is is like within his kind of plan and, and, and bad things he'll use for good and it was kind of it's this like subtle difference of um, acknowledging that yeah bad things happen and, and the good that comes out of it the subtle difference is actually saying that, that God works the good out of it because he is a redemptive restoration God, you know. He, it's, it's not because his, his intent was to make the bad thing happen to teach a lesson or so that something good might happen. You know, God doesn't cause or allow bad things just to mm. bring some good. His, mm. his good and the good that he brings out of things is because of who he is. And this is the thing that I started, it's like I had this experience of just being loved by God. I mean, just really powerful experience in one of these kind of frustrated prayers, probably tears and, and all sorts, and and uh, just feeling completely floored by the love of God, just like, wow, that's what I can trust. I can trust that God is who he says he is, and, and he never changes. And, you know, all the stuff that can go wrong in my life isn't going to change God and his pursuit of me. Uh, and that's really what um, we were kind of going through. I think how some of the kind of like practical way, uh, practical ways, I suppose, is one way to put it, that it, it impacted our faith. It became very hard to um, to connect with God in some ways. Um, I I pretty much stopped writing. Um, I think I was, and and that was for quite a long period of time. And um, we also because the situation we were in was quite stressful and also um, there were elements of abuse there too, you know, that we were kind of really reaching burnout and so it was very, very difficult to engage and to engage with people who just didn't understand or didn't really, um, who couldn't really process with us um, or who couldn't really hear our questions who, who find our questions difficult um, or unsettling to their faith. So we, um, in some ways, we were quite isolated. Um, but God did bless us with a number of people who, who could just listen and who could, in a non-judgmental way, just support us. And, and that, was really, that was really healing for us to have people like that. And some of them only kind of came into our lives for a period, for a short season, um, or, you know, sometimes it was literally just like one, a one night, you know, having dinner with some, 
some fellow kind of colleagues or whatever, and, and there was just this mutual understanding, and they'd pray for us and bless us um, through prayer and stuff. And that was, you know, there were important times like that as well. But um, the stuff that kind of started to uh, help me re-engage and kind of um, focus my attention on God was, was a few things like a podcast called Praise You Go, which is by, I think it's the British Jesuit Society that put that out. Um, nice. And, um, yeah, just listening to that. And it would have a short piece of music um, and some reflective questions, a scripture reading, and, and they would use different kind of contemplative uh, practices. And, and so contemplation became quite important for me. And, um, yeah, just... You know, practicing some breathing, uh, listening to things, actually, listening to things rather than um, my prayer life became a lot more um, about listening than it did about talking. And um, those were certainly things that those were certainly things that kind of uh, and worship did become quite important during that time as well. Like just singing songs that I knew. I wasn't singing anything new myself. I wasn't writing new stuff, but. Um, I started to uh, really appreciate a lot of worship music that I hadn't been connected with because I was living in a different culture, different country, singing mostly stuff in French. And um, so I just, you know, YouTube and some Bethel stuff and some Hillsong stuff and, and just whatever I could find. And there were songs that really connected with me and, and were kind of like a lifeline through that time. And, um, and that kind of, those things kind of still, they're still important to me even now and um, mm. even we came back and yeah, certainly quite quite influenced by the whole contemplative thing um, and a, a, a spirituality that I, I had sort of had some experience of um, and um, I was quite open to it. It wasn't like I was like, this is totally weird. I was, I was quite okay with giving it a go but um became a bit more of a rhythm of my life than it had been before yeah so that that was kind of but then the stuff that we were reading like we were reading stuff like um greg boyd's um is god to blame uh uh brennan manning's the furious longing of god and um, mm. a few a few different books on kind of good stuff uh, of prayer and, and a lot of this stuff um you know touches on stuff that was relevant to us and a lot of these people, like authors like Rachel Held Evans and Sarah Bessie as well, my wife was reading a lot of their stuff, and and they talked about contemplation and um, liturgy and other other ways of connecting with God and 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 um, like it had been their experience, it was ours that actually doing something a little bit different in a time where words were not coming in in our prayer lives and. Um, uh, engaging with scripture was, was challenging and yeah so there's you know lots, yeah. of, lots of positive influences there okay well yeah I mean so the next step would be would be you know coming back and what then you know and um, you said you couldn't write write music for a long time um how did you get back into writing more music? What what was it that led you back into that, and how did that process begin? 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, well, what, towards the end of time in Senegal, I, I recorded some stuff for uh, a guy that was uh, working in, in the missionary school, um, and he had written some stuff, so I helped, I worked with him a bit and kind of worked on some of his songs, recorded some stuff, and then I worked with a Senegalese guy called Cesar, and uh, Cesar is a fantastic artist, you know, uh, releasing kind of Christian gospel, world music kind of vibe stuff that, um, like, he's got a huge following uh, in Senegal, and, and he's very he's very clear about his Christian faith, and um, in, in a very strong the Islamic and Muslim context, that's quite interesting that he's got that kind of um, presence actually in, in, in the public. Um, but he he had some some songs that we recorded and um, I produced with him, and um, so that was kind of starting. To, that was starting to get me back into kind of thinking creatively and and just being. Uh, it kind of wet my appetite in some ways, and um, came back. To the UK, approached some guys that I knew called Record and got in touch with Andy who heads that up and they're based in Scotland and that is essentially a charity that supports songwriters and worship leaders to put music out and uh, in addition to a few things because I had probably I'd probably written one or two bits and pieces and I'd written a course of a song and um, which later became the pursuit, and I had this, had this, just one line. You remain the same, um, and uh, that was kind of it. And I had, you know, a, a hook or a melody or whatever. And uh, I guess it was, it was quite a. We must have been back for a few months before I met up with Andy. We sat down. We had a very long chat about kind of what I wanted the song to be about and um, some of the stuff that we've been talking about tonight and um, and, and we just sat down and, and started to write something together and uh, yeah the pursuit was was kind of the, a breakthrough moment for me because it kind of captured all of what I was wanting to, to put in a song um, kind of that experience of, of God's love and and him just chasing after me whenever, like I, I just didn't have the strength, the energy, the, you know, I was, um, yeah, like I said earlier, like we were pretty, pretty close to burnout, I suppose, and we were, we were only being sustained by, you know, the love and support of, uh, of a few people and, uh, and, and prayers, you know, we had a huge prayer base and, and a huge amount of people supporting us, and um, at the home end and stuff, so we. You know that must have been sustaining us, but um, yeah, in that time that was incredibly um, draining. We also we had the I had this experience of God just mm. and, and that was so. And I think it was you know reading these kind of reading stuff like the the furious longing of God, which that becomes like a really crucial moment in the song, the crescendo, where in the in the in the bridge, you know, it's it's pretty much line for line. Um, yeah. Um, Reckless and raging, furious longing of God, and that's something that that Brennan Manning talks about in the book. And um, so all that, I that whole concept just um, um, flowed really well into the song. Yeah, and it just captures and and the, like there's no way to explain this. All like you hear the song and you might not pick out 
these kind of meanings, but like this, when the second verse, it, it starts, always, always, you are good. And it's just like, I know for me why I was singing that and why I wrote that line. And it's, it's because of like what I said earlier, realizing that we're coming to a point of, of acknowledging that actually what we can, we can trust that God is always good. Um, that is, that's not going to change. That's not going to change. So yes, that's kind of that was kind of one one start back to to music, and um, it was slow, and it's and, and so it's picking up a bit of momentum again. But um, I think as well, I was just tired, tired, and you know, still still dealing with a lot. So having the the energy to to write to kind of pour out creatively was like yeah that was that was something and something that I had not experienced before and it wasn't I don't it wasn't writer's block it was it was like I don't know writer's shock or something I don't know what you mm, could call it yeah I like that that sounds turmoil <laughs> emotional people it sounds very familiar to be honest I, I just a as a writer, um, I struggle with that too. Um, I've been through a big kind of trauma the last couple of years, or dealing with past trauma the last couple of years, and um, I've been betrayed and hurt and stuff as well. And and I I I, comp- I completely resonate with that writer's shock. You know, it, it's something. Yeah, it just kind of something happens inside of you, and you just almost you freeze. You can't. You can't. Yeah. You just can't write anything. You know, it's just not. It's just not there. You know. Um, yeah, and it's interesting the creative process, isn't it? That how that happens, and then, then something else. Then suddenly you kind of find something, and it kind of just unlocks it, and it starts to flow again. Like writing this song, the pursuit. Um, yeah. That that's kind of sounds like it, what happened with that song. Yeah, it was, I guess, it, and it was, and, and and I just needed a bit of support to get, you know, like, so, because everything that was additioned, you know, um, stuff I was putting forward with Andy, just there was nothing that we were really happy with, and um, so we sat down together and and um, he gave us a, a bit of a, a head start on a verse, and then we kind of crafted the rest together, and, and it, it actually, from, from the, the day that we spent together writing, um, I mean, uh, most of the, that that kind of kicked it all off. But then it was a real springboard for everything else, and it just flowed um, after that. And and that song sort of felt like the start for for a number of other stuff that's kind of come since. So that that's kind of been, yeah, you know, it was kind of just breaking through that initial barrier with a bit of support from someone else. Um, kind of just open open the floodgates, you know, and um, yeah, there's other challenges I face now as to why I'm not writing as much. Um, busy being a, a dad and uh, working and stuff in a project that supports asylum seekers and refugees, but uh, still trying to still still doing stuff, still writing, still still being creative. Um, but yeah, that's like it's interesting. It is interesting how how traumatic experiences or or just stuff that kind of you talked about that that freeze kind of feeling where you're just like um you know yeah that's that's huge and i i'm 
I don't know, are creative types a bit more sensitive to that than others? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think so. I think... I think in myth, I, I don't I don't want to say you have to suffer to create, but I think, um, I think suffering can give birth to great art. Yeah, I wouldn't say you have to suffer to create great art, um, because just you can have joy in creating stuff, and um, you know I'm very much a believer in that as well. But I think if you suffer, um one of the best ways you can get healing from that is to turn it into art you know um i really believe in the power of art to to heal um certainly like and i i've seen that in writing people that i know and um i think i think it sounds like it was the same for you with your yeah. songwriting you know um but yeah um so that's really powerful there's a little bit but Rob Bell did with a number of different people. Like, there's a there's a chapter on kind of suffering and creativity. Um, you might know. I've gone blank. I'm totally blank. But um, I know Rob did a book called uh, Drops Like Stars, which is about creativity and suffering, and that was a book he wrote on his own. That might have been, might have been it. There's a snippets by a few different different people, perhaps. It's been so long since I read it, but I remember. Like being just being like signposted to stuff like that, and for that the time when I was reading it, just being like, "Wow, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at." And uh, yeah, yeah, that was you know, yeah, good stuff. Reading when it was a, a difficult time for me. Yeah, yeah, it's really powerful. Um, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I think it's it's such it's just such a powerful story of how you know that things don't always go to plan um and you know it's perfectly okay to question everything and that in many ways that that's how we grow you know and that's how we go deeper in our spiritual journeys is you know is actually asking questions and having doubts and exploring and and kind of stepping into the unknown in many ways that's that's what faith is you know, it's faith is not about certainty. Faith is about what we don't know, and somehow yeah. trusting in, in, in God, even when we don't know all the answers and we don't know the why, um, and that's not easy. <laughs> it's uh, not. It's really not. Yeah, and and I think too with the, the whole, certainty thing. You know, like the, the, there is a culture um, of 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 certainty being. Um, held with regard as if it's like, it's what we it's what we should be aiming for, you know, and and that makes people who who do struggle or who do have questions or who aren't quite there on their certainty and feel uh, not good enough or or less Christian or less holy or less good or 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 like they're that there's something wrong with them that they haven't got the same certainty that whoever it is in their church or, you know, fellowship or whatever, uh, seems to have or say they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's, uh, you know, the thing with kind of acknowledging my own kind of disappointments and acknowledging my own kind of uh, frustrations in that time was it, it opened my eyes as well a lot more to other people. And, and, and as I shared my story and um, encountering 
that a number of a lot of people deal with this at some point in their lives because because you know it doesn't always work out as people you know thought it would um, and it might be different things that go wrong for people but it's still that experience of of things not going the way that you would have thought or unexpected trauma or you know whatever it is um, people go through stuff that really that, that, that will make them question and if they're in a, an environment that where that's safe then that's great but if they're in, a, in an environment that discourages questions and sees doubt and questioning as, as a negative thing then you know it's hard to say what how they'll be made to feel or what the outcome will be but for me like the questions and the doubts it, it pushed me closer to God it, it, it meant I was leaning to him leaning towards him you know it wasn't mm. like I went through this stuff and I was like you know well I'm not having anything else to do with you God it was it was actually you know because you don't do that you just, you just don't walk out of a relationship you know um, because you know you give it you give it it's uh, it's due you know and, and that's the thing you know like with God it is it's a, it is a relationship it's, you know so we mm. you know yeah. we say we can be honest we can be open with each other and and then it's, it's like and then it's silly to, to fall out with God with the, about stuff that's not it's not him that caused it <laughs> It was other people, or it was uh, it was it was that we live in a sinful world and it's broken. You know, it's like actually, yeah. you know, God's disappointed too. He wants to see. You know, I believe he wanted to, he wanted us to be there with those kids because he loved those kids and he loved us and he just wanted us to, to be part of what he wanted to do. And you know, it's like oh, you know, he's probably saying. Man, that, that that sucks. But hey, let, let let's make something good happen out of this. Cause um, you know, I'm I'm not giving up on you guys yet, and uh, I'm not giving up on those kids either. You know, so um, you leave that with me, and uh, I'll sort out the rest. You know, that's, so there's a there's a great song. He'll take care of the rest. You know, look at that a, guy. <laughs> that's a really inspiring message. I think that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really want to add to it because it, it's so true, you know, that it's a real relationship with a real person, in a sense. I mean, he's not yeah. a person, but you know what I'm saying. And, you know, he didn't want those bad things to happen. Um, he didn't make them happen. And But nothing's irredeemable. And no yeah. one's irredeemable. And there's always resurrection. There's always a new story to tell. Uh, yeah, there's always some... Yeah. <laughs> Sunday's coming. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Um yeah. I I think, you know, a lot of the I think we were quite willing to to go with change in us. Um I think, you know, being at Bible college, meeting lots of different people from different backgrounds, you know, kind of prepared the way um for us um to, to be more open and and to allow that change within ourselves to, to take place um, but it's, it's an incredibly painful journey to let go of things that you've held as precious truths mm. and, and, and then adapt to kind of new truth that you're starting to 
a seer, a believer, etc. Yeah. And well, yeah. I think so. A lot of a lot of you know groundwork already already done before we kind of went through all this, and um, you know that's that's just that was a real blessing, I suppose, because we could we were quite aware of what kind of that change taking place, and um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing story, and that's really inspiring. Um, and really encouraging for me, and I'm sure it'll be encouraging for a lot of other people as well. So thank you for for sharing that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna play this song you, you wrote now. Um, this is how we're gonna close close the uh, the episode. Um, with the pursuit, um, and this is a—I think this is a live recording of it, isn't it? As well, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, inspired by also Brennan Manning um, writing this song was about the experiencing the furious longing of God being caught up in a storm, helpless and subject to His force. Um, that's what it says on the little spiel that I just read. Um, about the song so um, thank you Adam for, for coming on I'm sure you'll be back one day on this show yeah yeah of course man that's brilliant thank you um, yeah it's been fantastic and so um, here everyone is the song The Pursuit <laughs> 